rests any button to continue. It's episode three of the This Gameware podcast with myself, Chris, and me, Ashley. This week we are going I'll stop. to. I want some praise. You want some praise? Yeah, for pressing your button to continue. I'm not giving you it. I told you I wasn't giving you praise. I was really tough with that one. You just interrupted my spiel. Because I want praise for my shtick. My shtick. My spiel. Your shtick? Yeah. I, nobody gives you praise for your shtick, mate. Well, they blinking one should do. <laughs> they do not. They don't need to. I've got a list I don't even on. know if I got to say my name before you interrupted. Did, did I introduce myself? What's more important, your name or my praise? <laughs> exactly. So, my name... Is Ashley, and this week we will be doing pretty much what we did last week. Not praising Chris, but talking about a game from his childhood. So there you go, there is your reward for your apparently brilliant introduction. Apparently brilliant or brilliant? No, apparently brilliant. Okay. Definitely apparently brilliant. Just, let's let's cut this. Let's move on. Yeah, let's move on. So. You want to know what the game is? I'd like to know, what game have you got for me? Well, this week. It's this game where you play as a wizard, which is pretty cool. I think I know it. No. I think I already know it. Because I told you it was an adventure game. Yeah. I I mean, I've put two and two together. So I told you it's an adventure game. I think it's Simon the Sorcerer. No. Ah! Oh, I think I've got it again. But. (laughs) I think I've got it. I think. think... But Simon the Sorcerer is an interesting thing to talk about a bit later on. Yeah. I think. Yeah. It is. Do you want me to let you say what you're going to say and then? No, yeah. you go. No, for you, it. you say you say what you were gonna say. Okay. So this I'm week interested. it's this game I've where definitely got it though. Okay, let's find out. So this week it's this game where you Let play me as ju- a wizard. Hang on, let's stop. I'm gonna tell you what I think it is before you do your spiel, and then you can do your spiel. You're, but you're I'm gonna not... render me spielless. No, hang on. I'm I'm gonna tell you a clue as to me knowing what it is, so that people do know that I know. Because I've got a secret from you. Yeah. For the first no, it's the... yeah, it's the first time because we kind of knew what we were doing, didn't we? Before? Sort of. No. Sort of. Half. Yeah. Half. Whereas this one is complete, other than the fact yeah. I told you the adventure game. Okay, so it's it's a it's an adaptation of a series of books. All right. By a very well regarded, now deceased author. Right. You oh, that's all I'll give you. Okay. That's all I'll give them, because they'll know. Okay, well, yeah, you're right. It is the first of the games based on the Discworld series of books. So, Discworld should have said that. Yeah. There you go, Discworld. Boom. Episode, Excellent. Episode Good. three. Uh, which version? On the PC. On the PC. There were multiple okay. versions of this, but I played the PC version. Yeah, I played the PlayStation version first. Oh, so this is a game you played? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay, so this won't be a cold experience it's for you. It's not one that I remember that well. Okay. Which so won't, again, a... be a surprise to no, you. No, no. Why do you not remember it that well? Nothing to do with nothing to do with the game. The game is fantastic. I just, I think, played so many games at that time. So I played on the PlayStation with a friend of mine who, we were probably about 13 or 14. He had a PlayStation that was chipped, so we were getting game after game. You don't know what a chipped PlayStation is? I know know what chipped is, but how does it work for a PlayStation? You've never had a chipped PlayStation? No. (laughs) I've never seen a chipped PlayStation? I lived on the right side of the tracks. But you didn't even know that people chipped their PlayStation. No. Seriously. Seriously. This is this is a revelation. This is it was like when modding yeah, uh, console started with didn't my neck of the woods. Well, I'll spill I mean, the beans. I you were it. missing out really because what, on the, my the, friend's the PlayStation of it. No, do you not Napster is just out of interest. <laughs> yeah, I know what Napster <laughs> yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it was the it was the era of Napster and chipping your PlayStation One. Everybody was That's what it was. out there stealing the <laughs> stealing games off Napster and, and stealing the, the music. That was what happened. <laughs> wow, what, what a time to work in the entertainment industry. <laughs> Yeah, I think your life was sapped away. It was happening on all fronts. I never thought that. I didn't have a PlayStation One ever. Never owned one, so I definitely wasn't seeing them. Instead, I was paying sixty pounds for cartridge games on the Nintendo sixty four. Well, so more for you, you know. But equally, I was getting to play all the games ever at my friend's house because he was. So how did a chip PlayStation work? They, you would get a little mod chip, right? Soldered into your Good PlayStation, brief. and it would unlock, there was like a little system check that the console did to make sure that you were playing a legitimate copy of the game. But the chip uh, overrode that and made right. sure that you could play whatever you liked. So you had to have a, a copy of the game burnt onto a CD there. Yeah. Right. So his, his stepdad would go down to Blockbuster. Remember Blockbuster? I do you remember Blockbuster? Yeah, everybody yeah. does, don't they? Yeah, do. It's one of those things, isn't it? Remember Blockbuster? It is, a, it is the, one of those before things. Before Netflix yeah. killed it. There you go, I said it. Netflix. Oh dear. Oh, what? Dear. 
What's the thing, isn't it? Everyone says, run a blockbuster, and then if it's killed it, I've said it. Yeah, I've said it. So he would go down blockbuster, he would rent four games, Copy he would more. burn them, they can take them back. So we had a stack, a stack. They littered his bedroom floor. And sometimes, like summer holidays, were me and him sat with the curtains closed playing PlayStation games. Nice. After PlayStation game, after PlayStation game. We played all sorts. So that was why you only played this game briefly, because you could have that, you just dipped into it. Well, yeah. I've gone back to it since. Right. Because it is such a good game. It is. It's a brilliant game. Yeah. It looks gorgeous. So I've chosen this game because how my gaming tastes, I think, over the years, I'm, I'm quite sort of limited in my genres, really. If I find a genre of game I like, I plough that furrow until I've uncovered all the gems of that furrow. That was a good metaphor, if I say so myself. And then I move on to a different furrow. So in terms of furrows, if I go for platforming as a furrow, as I spoke about in the first episode, I played lots and lots of platform games on the Mega Drive. I really got into, a bit later on past this game, I got it really into simulation games. So not simulation games, sorry, uh, management games, so like theme park, theme park, yeah. sort of rollercoaster yeah. tycoon. Um, I then really got into RPGs when I first played well, Final Fantasy called, but just I said simulation and backtrack, but I think they are called sim games, aren't they? Simulation. Management sim. My shorthand for them is tycoon games, for obvious reasons. Or mansim for management sim. Mansim like, sounds gonna... like a street fighter. fighter. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Delsim. I'm going to start that though. Mansim. That's, that's the new No, I word. think tycoon games, because rollercoaster tycoon, railroad tycoon, all that lot. Yeah, but SimCity was long before that, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, but it became... The Tycoon games definitely became the quintessential management sims. Definitely. Like. I mean, did you ever play SimAnt? No, I remember seeing the box for it and ah. thinking, oh, it looks unusual. It is unusual. It's very unusual. So, I, it was one of those that I played after the fact, uh, but it, it is what it sounds like. It, you Things are, and ants. Yeah, you simulate an ant colony. Was it good? Um, It was... I think it was past its time by the time I got to it. Was it it was too obfuscated by dated game design. Did you have lots of antics in the game? Yeah. I thought of that. I had to say it. Mm, you I've don't also... have to say everything that you think of. I've also got fantastic and brilliant. I okay. Can't, I can't think of any more ant-based And we haven't got any... Oh, actually... We might have an ant game in the future. Really? Yeah, I won't tell you. I can't think of other ant games. Oh, I, apart from this one that you've got. I, well, including Sim Ant. Two. Uh, there's another two, so there's three. Wow. That I know of. That's, that's too many ant games, I would say. No. Like we had in episode two, we had the too many football based games with Marco's Magic Football and the Adventures of Kid Cleats. Yeah. Too many games where you had to use a football as a, a weapon. Yeah, although I think that's within the realms of football, isn't it? Well, it's, it, maybe it's the last battle. Hooligans! Well, let's go too far. It's just yeah, because the hooligans will come and get us. They will, and I'm scared the, of the hooligans. The firms. The firms. <laughs> the football. We do right. actually have, in this town, which I won't mention, we do have a firm. A fairly well, what would they call it, infamous, an infamous firm. Really? Yeah. I didn't think that actually happened. Yeah, that's it really does happen, yeah, like, unfortunately. Wow, that's what they do. Go around and... They organise fights with other Oh, they sound firms. like a delightful bunch of yeah. people. If you go down to the stadium on a match day, especially if it... In fact, where we both used to live, yeah. the town, the city... Yes. If you went down to... The woods there, If you went down to town... Sure of a big surprise. On a derby day, when yeah. they were... When they were playing the team from my town. Yeah. If you go down on the Derby Day to that city, city centre, there will be a large selection of right. on the streets. And it's because the firms, they will be fighting in the side streets. Outside people's houses. Well, where the place they're both It's horrible. It does sound horrible. I can't remember why we're talking about firms. I can't either. Marco's Magic Football, because I said that it was... Football. Yeah, rubbish. Let's go back on Discord, eh? Yeah, Discord's better. So, Discord came out in 1995. I did some research for this one. I can tell. I've got a sheet of paper in front of me. I see it. with scribbles. I can see. Are you proud? Yeah, yeah. This is, I'm going to say mostly off Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> right, so not research. <laughs> when people do essays, they use Wikipedia. They do now. And I, I say mostly, there's about three words that aren't off Wikipedia. So on a sheet of A4 paper, that's, okay. that's good going, if, isn't it? If Wikipedia in pulling its weight here, I'm going to be disappointed. I think it probably is. So when you messaged me the other day to say, oh, I've done research. That was off Wikipedia. Right. And it never went any further than that. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a little bit. I went, on like, to? I went on like two other sites. Oh, nice. Okay. That's all right. Two's more than one. That's fine. We'll find out what your research is. You I, I think I've, I've got some good stuff here. I think you just copied some... out Wikipedia. I could have just printed it, couldn't I, really? I should have done that. This you is could my, have printed this it. This is my annotated highlights. But then anyway, it would have looked like Wikipedia, and I would it have rumbled you straight away. Trying to trick you. you. You'd have seen the big globe from the corner, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> so, Discworld came out in 1995. Everybody, 
if you want to skip the next four or five minutes and just go read the Wikipedia page, feel free. I'm going to pepper it with a line of those things. Oh, okay. Then you can't skip it. Yeah. Sorry. I'm going to go third time now. came out in 1995, and I played it on the PC, but it did, as you said, it came out on the PlayStation 1. Yeah, what year? It, it came out on the Mac, and it came out on the Saturn. I, I think it was 1995. They came all came out in 1995, because that would make it a very, very early PlayStation game. PlayStation was 95, wasn't it? It did come... Well, I'll be honest, my research didn't go that far. <laughs> because I didn't... I didn't jot down the years in which it came out some of the platforms because that's oh. not relevant to me. Okay. I've gone for PC. Right. All I'm saying is you could broaden out your research in the future. Because that I'll, was an obvious question. I'll bear that in mind for my yeah, next bit of Wikipedia research. Yeah. So... I played on the PC version uh, on my uncle's PC, and this was a game where I said about it in the Toy Jam Love episode. But this was, I think, the first game that I got properly like obsessed with okay. and really yeah. wanted to play it. And I think the reason for that was because I thought it was Granny's Garden. What? I thought you were well obsessed with Granny's Garden. No, no, not. not I thought you loved then. it. So, myself and my little brother went to play on my uncle's uh, PC, went to my, you know, where he lived. We went there once a week after school, he picked us up on a Wednesday. And I think that's part of the draw of it was because I had that kind of Wednesday after school, like, oh, I'm going to play it tonight. And it was, it was, became something I used to mark, sort of countdowns, yeah. really, yeah. going to my uncle's. I can clearly remember having a PE lesson in 1995, because I'd have been year five, and I can remember it being year five. And I can remember it was like netball or something, and... I wasn't engaged talks. So I was just thinking, it's half an hour till home time. I get to play this. It's quarter an hour till home time. I get to play this squirrel. This is goodoink. Goodoink. Yeah, <laughs> Net exactly. Netball Net, Net to the face, but like dodgeball. So I think that's why I've chosen this for this one because I really got into point and click adventure games. This is the very first. This is yeah. the, the springboard into that genre that I had. Okay, and as you said, you ploughed that th- yeah. thoroughly. Yeah, so, I, I, I don't know why my uncle got it to be honest because he wasn't. At the time when we got the game, he wasn't into Discord. I was nine years old. I'd never heard of Discord mm. at that point. But it really was the, the gateway drug to your monkey island, your side of the sorcerer, yeah. all sorts of stuff. Okay, so what is it in the game that you remember? Just because it was a genre I hadn't really tried before, just that whole clicking on the interaction with things. It was just, I, I liked the puzzle element of it. Very logical. Although Discord, quite famously, is a game that is illogical mm. and is very, very famous for being hard. Do you remember the difficulty of it? No, I don't. I told you that I, I remember fleeting moments in it. I remember the opening. I think I remember the opening, although I might be confusing it with the second one. The second one's much more cartoony. This one's much more Oh, I know. I, I can and, see. I can yeah. totally see it in my head. I remember exactly how it looks. I remember how, how both of them look. But the beginning... Is it, does it involve a wardrobe? Yes, it does. Yeah. yeah. So that... Yeah, I remember the opening very well. Okay. I don't remember much after that. But I, I remember the hallway. Uh, not the hallway. The, you know, like the feasting hall or whatever. Yeah, because you start off walking. at the university that the wizards all, yeah. all learn, learn how to trade out. Unseen university, yeah. yes. Yeah, there is a, a the Great Hall or whatever they call it there. So in terms of the the puzzles, it has got a reputation for being extremely difficult. During my research, the two websites I went on that weren't Wikipedia were Eurogamer and Den of Geek, who both did quite interesting retrospectives on the game. Not dissimilar yeah, to our okay. podcast, really, but two journalists who kind of talked about this is our memories of the game, talk about it. And both retrospectives mentioned the exact same puzzle, which I found quite interesting. So okay. obviously stuck in their minds. So I'm going to talk through the puzzle because... It, it sounds so convoluted. Are you going to make me play it? Not that puzzle. It's, it's not, not quite far into the game, but it's further than we'll probably play this evening. Okay. So the plot of the, of the game follows Guards, Guards, which is the eighth, I think, Discworld book. I've, I've really got some Discworld aspect in this game. Mm. I've read every single book. Have you? Oh, yeah. Most of them multiple times, not so much the later ones, but mm. definitely like... Once For I've anyone got... that doesn't know Discworld, there are about 40 novels, and they're not short novels. They're about 350, 400 pages each. When I got into this game in 95, I think there were always, always sort of 10, 11, 12 books yeah. out to that point, and those are the ones and that then I read. Up with it. Exactly. Okay. So I read those ones a lot, and then, like you say, kept up with it, exactly. So this followed the plot of the eighth book. I think it's the eighth book, Guards, Guards. And during my Wikipedia research, it was because the developer wanted to do their own story set on Discworld, but struggled to kind of get the characters to fit and they decided to take the eighth book and adapt it to make it more gaming uh-huh. which Terry Pratchett was quite happy with he initially didn't want a game based on Discworld he wanted you know he, I can understand it he wanted the property to stay true to itself Yeah. so they 
changed it a bit, but kept it. And it does fit in with the spirit of... Uh, I absolutely so. agree, yeah. I think that the game did a really good job of capturing what Discworld is. Yeah, definitely. And it's interesting you said that Terry Pratchett didn't want the game. I, I'd always assumed that he was involved in some way, that he might have written art for it or something like that. From my Wikipedia research, it does seem like he was relatively hands-on, that he yeah. he kept a careful eye on it. So there's a, there's a character that got mentioned where he didn't actually like the characters. They changed it a little bit. It was mm. a new character they developed for the game, and he changed it a bit, or second change it a bit to make him more of this, so they didn't mm. do so. He had that bit of hands-on. Now, you mentioned Simon Saucer earlier, so it was interesting because... Because he wanted the game to care about the property Discord itself, a software company called AdventureSoft, who are a British adventure game company, approached Terry Pratchett and said, can we make a game based on Discord? He said no. And then they went on to create Simon the Sorcerer as a homage. Okay. Well, they didn't necessarily capture Discworld. Simon Sorcerer is more... Humor, not humorous. It was I can't remember what it describes Simon the Sorcerer. I really like Simon the Sorcerer. I, I like Simon the Sorcerer, yeah. but it's not this world. No, it's more. I would say medieval, kind of more Dungeons and Dragonsy than yeah, this world. I, I'd say so. Yeah, Simon the Sorcerer too. I once broke the CD of that. Uh, because I was, it was another game I got really hooked on, a bit of a, a theme with it, and I was ejecting it from the PC, and I dropped the disc somehow, and literal knee-jerk reaction, banged my knees together to stop it forward to the, the car. Oh, no. <laughs> and in doing so, sandwiched them between my yeah. knees and literally shat into pieces. Oh, great. Foolishly, foolishly, I then tri- opened the disc drive and put the pieces in the disc drive and closed it to something. But, yeah, that's fine, that'll work. Obviously it didn't. What, did you destroy the disc drive? No, I, it, um, I remember it closing and then sort of trying to open it again and it making some horrible noises because part of the disc had, had fall, fallen, fallen through, in, into yeah. the gap. But I remember my dad contacting AdventureSoft and, and explaining what happened and spoke to a very nice lady who sent a replacement uh, CD for free. Are you kidding? No, I'm not kidding at all. I might That's ring really them up nice. see if I can get a free copy. This was like I think 20, 20 years ago, quite possibly. Oh, so. Mind. Based on that experience, Bowls and Adventure Soft. Yeah, but you wouldn't get that. Well, maybe you would get that now. Uh, just to, before we move on too far, your your story about putting all the pieces in the PC has reminded me of my, I think, one and only time that I've completely killed a PC. What did you do? Did you break Simon the Sorcerer and put a piece <laughs> in the disk drive? No, it was oh. worse. So it was, again, I was probably, probably about the same time that I was playing Discworld and all of the right. other chip PlayStation games. Yep. At home, our PC. I used to like to fiddle around with the PC. I used to like to figure out how to do things software-wise on the PC. Hardware-wise, it was a bit of a mystery. Yeah. The it only isn't. time that I broke a PC at home was when I looked at the back of the PC. There was a little switch, a little red switch at the top. Right. Didn't know what it did. So I thought, right, I'll see what that does. And flicked it with the power cord in. It's because it red, that famous colour for touch Yeah, me. don't touch me. Yeah. <laughs> It it was the it was to switch from UK to EU electricity standards. Oh, and, and not taking the plug out, so I switched it and immediately went. It went, <laughs> and a billow of smoke came out of the power supply. Did you see like blue sparks? And was it you not know, blue sparks? Just, just this grey, bluey smoke that smelt really. You nice. remember flux from the from electronics lessons? Yeah, it's got, nice you yeah, it's got a very iconic smell, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it smelled exactly like that. bad smell. No, not, not but, a bad but, smell. But, but you, I just blew up a computer. Yeah. At which point you're thinking, oh dear. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking, oh God, oh God, oh God, what do I do? Did you lie? No, I didn't. I said, Mum, the computer's just blown up. And she said... <laughs> so you didn't exactly tell the truth. It's called a mission, isn't it? A mission. They might, some people, ped- pedants, might call it a lie of a mission. But I'm just omitting the lie of. It's a mission. I omitted. Oh, a mission. I thought you said it's a mission, like a mission impossible. <laughs> For God's sake. God, working with this man is a pain. (laughs) Anyway, that's how I destroyed a PC. Carry on. So it's about AdventureSoft. Yeah, AdventureSoft. So fairly recently, we had, I'll say very recently, in the last 10 years, we had Terry Pratchett starting to license the Discord license to other things. So did you watch any of the Sky One Sky One, yeah, I didn't like them. Didn't you? No. Why not? Sky One always has this, like, halfway there production quality to things like that, and it kind of lent itself to Discworld, but it just wasn't it wasn't polished and it grated on me. Right. David Jason was in, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. I can't remember which one he was in. I think he They got some fairly big names. Yeah. They did the Fifth Elephant, did they? No, Hog Hogswatch. They did Hog Hogfather. Father. They did Going Postal. So Hogfather is the Discworld story of 
their equivalent of Father Christmas. And they were going out at Christmas, weren't they? Yeah, they were. Going Postal told you about how... The Postal Service. It's one of my favourite books. Yeah. So just for context, Ankh-Morpork, which is the main city on Discworld... And the whole stories are, are set in quite a medieval time, but as the stories go through, Terry Pratchett starts satirising different yeah. aspects of modern culture. So Going Postal is all about how the postal series gets introduced. Uh, modern culture. Well, it, it becomes more modern from that medieval yeah. sort of setting. Yeah. There's a later one called Unseen Academicals, which is all about football yeah. culture. And yes, how, how they, yeah. the Unseen University gets a football team. That was when... It became, for me, the books became more hodgepodge. Like, this is about this thing, this is about this thing. Whereas the earlier books were more, there was more of a build-up. And he had... Having said that, Moving Pictures, which is the ninth one, mm. was a parody of, of Hollywood. And that's a brilliant book. And yeah. There's The Truth as well, which is all about the newspapers. The newspaper. Yeah. But it was always like that, actually, because you did have... There were always these threads going through yes. the books. So there was Guards, Guards was part of the... Night Watch. And yeah, The Watch, wasn't it? The first one with The Watch. Yeah. It, was it the first one? I think so, yeah. Where did Monstrous Regiment come from? I was quite a lot, a lot, a lot later Was it? Okay. That was, I think that was the first Guards at uh, Night Watch book that I read. Right. So I didn't read them till way later, so right. 2003. Okay. And by then there were a lot. A lot, yeah. Uh, I'm so sure I, I remember picking, reading that Mort, which Mort's a really good one, being Mort's a starting good. point. I'm sure that's that there was something like Disney approaching him to turn into a film. It, and it's um, also relevant to the podcast as well to mention about Rihanna Pratchett, his daughter, who mm. has now become a computer game she uh, has, script yeah. writer. She, she wrote Tomb Raider. She did. That's The new ones, the reboot. Yeah. Did she write all three? And other ones that I can't name. No, I can't remember head. anything else, but she definitely wrote Tomb Raider. She definitely wrote Tomb Raider, the new reboot. Yes. I can't so. remember if she wrote Rise of the Tomb Raider. Not sure. Or Revenge of the Tomb Raider, whatever the third one's called, that no one's played. <laughs> Is that... Nobody has played I'm, it. I haven't played it, so... No, I haven't played it. I, it's, it's very unfair for me to say that no one's played it. I I do want to play it. It's on a list. I'm going to buy it. I like the Tomb Raider games. The, I hate the earlier Tomb Raider games. But well, the, the when, very first ones in PlayStation yeah, 1. Yeah, Tomb Raider 1 to 3. And then when they looked back at it and refined it with the, yeah. the, the, Underworld, the rebooted ones. I like Underworld. Everybody hates it. Right. Legacy. I really like Legacy. the same, aren't they? They're just really fun adventure games. And then Uncharted. Not adventure games in this sense. Zuckerman did them better. Yeah, Uncharted didn't do them better then. Really? Yeah, so you know I've mentioned in the past that I owned games as a child that I don't like. Yes. Well, Is Uncharted one of those? Well, not as a child. I went uh, out about two years ago and bought them all secondhand, all three of the PlayStation 3 ones, um, because I thought, oh, I'm missing out on something that everybody says is an essential part of, uh, of this hobby. Yes. So I went out and bought them. And played through the first one. It was such a slog. Really? Yeah, such so a slog. I've never played it, so I can't possibly say. I've got the other two on my... Um, they're just down there. You can see them from here. I can. And I'm going to play it. I'm going to play the second one at some point. I'm hoping that it's it's sort of an Assassin's Creed type situation where the first one was good, but it was really just an unpolished gem. I'm hoping that Uncharted does the same thing, sort of gets a lot better. Maybe I could play the future episode, possibly. What? Uncharted? Maybe, but it'll be way down the line. Or we're scraping the barrel. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yes, in about three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm just looking over my notes again. I did say quite a while ago about a specific puzzle I wanted to talk yes, about. Because yes, of reference sorry. By a couple it was of quite a while No, ago. no, it's fine. Um, so, in this particular puzzle, you're trying to rid the city of a dragon that has been summoned by a group of people who want the dragon to do bad things for whatever reason to benefit their business, I think, if I remember rightly. So I think this was past where I ever got Probably, yeah. yeah. So in the game you play as Rincewind, which I mentioned previously. Rincewind is a bumbling wizard-type character. Yeah, he's the first main character in the series as he well, is, in the series of books. He's in the first two, and he pops up again in the fifth one, and then sort of sporadically after mm. that. But first he, two books are great. They are, they're absolutely mm. brilliant. He was a good Color choice of character. Magic, the light, fantastic. Well done. He was a really good choice of character because he has a, a thing called the luggage that follows him around, which yeah. is a cre- chest. creature made of sapient pear wood. So it's a treasure chest. I just remember that. Yeah, I like it, that. It's a treasure chest with lots of legs on. That's I'll, what I was going to say. You said sapient pear wood. I, I was going to say treasure chest with lots of legs. <laughs> Cent- centipede well, treasure chest thing. Yeah, mm. which is perfect for the genre because when you're picking up your items, you pop them in the chest. So yeah. it, it actually... Makes- Far more sense it than makes, most yeah. inventories. 
And if, yeah, exactly. Most games where you've got a, a generic It just goes in your pocket. It just goes in your pocket. Yeah. And then so later on in the game, you're pulling out, I know, a shotgun out of, yeah. out of your pocket and it's suddenly materialised. Where's it come from? Well, luggage, it goes in the luggage. Yeah. So you play as Rincewind, this character, and you need to stop these monks from getting the dragon. So you have to go through this convoluted puzzle. I've jotted down the notes for it. You have to get a butterfly net, which is on the wall of a psychiatrist's office. So you've got a butterfly net. You have to go into the past through a time travel device that you've opened up in the library right. of the university. You have to find Rincewind who's sleeping in the past because he's drunk. And I'm not sure if you had to make him drunk or not. In the past. In the past. You had to put a frog in his mouth because near Rincewind there's a butterfly. And when he's snoring, no. it scares the butterfly away. So you put the frog in his mouth, which makes perfect sense, so the butterfly doesn't get scared away, so you catch him with the net. Hang on, why would a frog not scare away a butterfly? Why would you put the frog in his mouth? Why would you put the frog in his I mouth? I think he chokes him, if I remember rightly. So that he stops snoring? Yeah. I've just got this an image of the recollection okay. of this animation there. Anyway, so you're back in the present. You've got his butterfly now. You then have to place it next to a lamppost that causes a storm. And I seem to remember there being some sort of running joke here about the whole thing about... Uh, when a butterfly flaps its wings, it causes a yes. storm on that, that yeah. ancient Chinese proverb or whatever. And I think yeah. it was some sort of literal... It's the butterfly effect. Exactly. Yeah. So you literally put this butterfly by a lamppost so it causes a storm, which then rains on a monk who is standing near the lamppost. So he then takes off his robe to get dry. So you then take the robe and then go and sneak over to where this group of monks are. You've got the robe on so you can listen to them, but to listen to them, there's a drain pipe and you have to then turn the drain pipe the right way so you can hear them. And each time you leave the scene and go back again, the drain pipe resets to be in the wrong way again. So that's, a, that's just an example of one of the all those hoops you've got to jump yes, through. Yeah. There's a lot of pixel-perfect clicks you have to make. I completed the game with a guide, and I think in retrospect, and this is what the two retrospectives I looked at said as well, to complete this game without a guide, you'd have to be... I don't know what you'd have to be, because it's just so obtuse. Some kind of savant. Yeah, yeah. Well, not even that. Just you know, putting the frog in his mouth is. Yeah, without the context, I can't really see if it makes any logical sense. No. Not so at it all. is unfortunate that we're not going to get there. But I'll tell you what. After having a little go, I'm sure I want to carry on. So I'll maybe report back on that when uh, when I've played through it. Sounds good. Yeah, it's it does that part, that puzzle does sort of sound like it's taking in aspects of the of the Discworld's philosophical. Yes, definitely. As well, so. That that is almost in itself evident of what the developers are trying to capture. Yeah, uh, developed by Greg Barnett, my Wikipedia researcher. Greg Barnett. Yep. What a single man. He led the team. <clears throat> okay. Do we know how many on the team? I don't. Nineteen ninety-five. I imagine it was quite a big team. If they things were ramping up at that point. The thing that sticks in my head for me about the game is the way it looks. Yeah. Well, that's that leads me very nicely on. To what I was going to say really? about the looks. Yes, it does. Okay, good. One of, one of my, my last couple of points I want to say about it is the design of it. Because I remember the same thing. The design of it being really lovely. There's yeah. the, the artwork, the style of it really complements Discworld. These medieval towns and, and the city, the design of it and whatever. Apparently, the backdrops were painted manually and then digitised to scan them in. Yeah. I, I have recently at a friend's house had a look at, I don't know if you've heard of bitmap books. Yes. Yeah. So bitmap books have really recently, nice art books, like art yeah. history type things. So they've specifically released ah. a book called The Art of Point and Click, mm. which I look at at a friend's house, as I said, being into the genre, and it's a lovely book, and Discord is mentioned in there. Mm. So uh, there's a little It doesn't plug. surprise me at all. Plug for them. If they want to send us free books, that'd be lovely. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's going to happen. I do. <laughs> you li- you keep a- living in hope. That's- I'd like a couple of that book for free. Uh, I think that Ooh, the likelihood of them sending us free books is... Is as high as you completing that puzzle on your own without a guy. Yeah, that's what's going to happen, is it? No, exactly. So, and then the final thing I wanted to talk about before we go into it is okay. the the pedigree of voice acting. So, in I, the game. I was going to mention earlier. I think Tony Robinson's in this game. He was. Yeah, was he Rincewind? Tony Robinson was not Rincewind. They got was someone he a, was even, he a even more famous to be Rincewind. Can you tell me who Tony Robinson is? Because it's going to bug me. He plays lots of different characters. Okay, was There's, he a parrot at one point? He may well have been. Okay. That rings well for me, actually, the parrot. Yeah. So, Rincewind was voiced by Eric Idle. Yes, he was! As if I forgot that! Yeah, exactly. Yeah, oh my god. Yeah, that's a totally perfect fit as well. It, it really is. Yeah. The 
I'd already kind of... Have you got the cast list there? I have. Excellent. Eurogamer put this as, and they, the, the person writing it was perfect. It was almost like the company, Perfect Entertainment, who made the game. Uh, a British company. It was almost like they kind of thought about the sort of hysterical Discworld fan and thought, right, what kind of things in, would influence them? What yeah. kind of things influence Discworld, the sort of sense of humour? Because it it's a very funny series of books, yeah. isn't it? Very um, satirical and... So Eric Idle. So for the very few people that don't know who these people are, we should probably give a bit of context. Eric Idle is a was a member of yeah was a member of Monty Python. Is still alive because I realised it made it sound like he was dead there. But yeah, but he was a member of Monty Python. Monty Python is dead. Eric Idle is alive at the time of recording. At at time of recording, yeah. Thankfully, yes. Tony Robinson. So Tony Robinson. Was famous for a lot of things, but most people were known for Blackadder. Being Baldrick. Yeah, I remember him for Maid Marian and His Merry Men. Yeah, good call. Which was a children's television programme in the, in Great Britain. Google it. It was great. It really was. Turning the, the whole stories of Robin Hood's sorry, Maid Marian. Yeah, like so a, a, Robin Hood a feminist was, icon. She was, yeah. yeah. It was brilliant. Robin Hood was the total opposite of every yeah. version of Robin Hood you'd ever see. He was a bumbling fool. And it, oh, it was just brilliant. It really, it really was. was. So there was Kate Robbins, who I didn't know of. She provided every single female voice in the game, but she did a lot of work on Spitting Image. Okay, right. Which, again, was... People probably will know that, actually, because it was quite famous oh, at so, yes. this time, wasn't it? Spitting Image, late 80s. political British, satire. Yeah, with, pu- with puppets. Yeah, with really Very disgusting, gross puppets. Yeah. So Rob Brydon. Right, really? And that this, is early stuff. This surely. is from, just as an aside to Rob Brydon, this was one of the... Very early on in Rob Brighton's career, yeah. so Rob Brighton, if you're not about aware, <laughs> they're older than ten. So he is now, I would say, extremely famous in in Britain for yeah. his comedy work. He hosts and has been on lots of panel shows. He's sort of, I would say, rose to the the, the mega star, not mega star, but his most famous role is being the uncle in Gavin in and Gavin Stacey. Stacey. I think that yeah. went international as well. Yeah, I'd say so. And they've got the special coming for that. But Christmas also, he did the trip. With of course, how do I forget the trip uh, with Steve Coogan? Steve Coogan, yeah, and there were there's three series of that now. Yes, isn't there? with a fourth being filmed. I don't know. Did that go? Yeah, but surely that went international because that is fantastic. I'm sure that the third series, so six half hour episodes, got um, cut and edited into a two hour film that got released in America. Really, I'm sure it did. Yeah. yeah. It's a fantastic series, anyway. If you if you get the chance to watch it, you can find it. He, anyway. He's been on loads of good things. And interesting, because I do quite like Rob Brydon. I read a few years ago, read his autobiography, which is called Small Man in the Book, because he does... Yeah, Small Man in the Book. He does a very good... He's, <laughs> he's, he's very good with his voice, and he does a voice uh, that's the small man in a box voice, that when yeah. he does it, does sound just like a small man in a box, which is... Yeah, I, and neither of us would be able to do it. Oh, so no, don't, I, would, I, would, <laughs> don't I, I would, that. wouldn't even try. No. But I remember but, reading in his autobiography, he mentions recording for this does game. He now? Just a, literally a couple of sentences. Yeah. He mentions how, obviously, when you're playing a game and you click on something and a character speaks to you, obviously, it's just all the code that's just throwing up these random bits of of dialogue and scripts and whatever, and he said that he remembers. If I if if I remember this the autobiography correctly, he found the experience enjoyable, but it was just a case of here's a load of lines, record them one by yeah. one, and he says that obviously out of the context, out of context, it was just it gobbledygook really because here's one line. Oh, that raisin doesn't mix with that parrot or whatever. The next line might be oh, great idea using that fishing net on the butterfly. Who was he? Again, he played lots of different characters. Okay. Uh, so Rob Brydon, Nigel Planer, don't know, Young Ones, right? Okay, he was. Oh, I can't remember the names of the characters. On there. He was the hero. No, yeah, but again, yeah, Young Ones. Yeah, it's ages, the right British it's the right humor. sort of yeah. Uh, Robert, L- Robert Llewellyn. I know Robert Llewellyn, but I don't know why. Crichton. Oh sure. God, yeah. And so then, again, and then went again. Yeah, again, humor. Did you go and see Robert Llewellyn in it? Yeah, with Ritz. Yeah, I went to see. Yeah, yeah, because all was, of them was, went, didn't they? It was very pleasant. Yeah. 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 I, I'm not very good with names. Right. Well, he's, say, Christ in Red Dwarf, he did, many years ago, did a show where he uh, gave comedians or other actors a lift in his car. And this was going back a good 12 or so That's years. That's interesting. It is, because recently... I mean, everybody's doing it. <laughs> everybody's doing it, exactly. And recently, uh, Jerry Seinfeld did tweet about how, oh, I've just discovered that this program existed. Sorry. Yeah. Mm, interestingly. Yeah. And there's Carl, Carpool Karaoke, isn't oh, there? Oh, there is, yes. James Corden. But Robert Llewellyn. 
was the one that started all. Yeah, uh, literally, mm. I would say 2008, I think, that they started. Yeah, I'm I, I, sure. I, I, I think he gave up after a while, but... Uh, what was it called? Um, off the top of my head, I cannot no, remember. No, that's fine. It but was a bit of an ask. <laughs> that, was, that was there. He was given that product years ago. And then finally, the other voice that was in, it's a big one, John Pertwee. Really? Yeah. Oh, hang on. Did he play um, the Chancellor of the University? I have no idea what. So, yeah. again, John Pertwee. Doctor Who. Yeah, for anyone that doesn't know, Doctor Who. I'm sure anybody that is yeah. listening to this. Yeah, would know that. But yeah, those names, you've got Monty Python, Doctor know, Who, yeah, Blackadder. It's... As you say, it's clearly the development team going through a list of everything that is in the same All the touchstones. family yeah. of comedic, you know what I mean? Comedic talent. Yeah, comedic talent. As pedigree. Yeah, the same, the same room as, as Discworld is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. All, all those people are, are from classic com- comedy stuff, except Rob Brydon, who will have been 12, maybe. <laughs> Keep or take. But it's turned out to be a perfect fit for that. Definitely. Respectively. They were, they were all very, to, in my, again, in my head, they were linked to Discworld. Oh, definitely. I, I'm labouring the point. But, it all goes together really nicely. Yeah. So I think I've waffled enough about the game now. I've probably waffled even more than enough. Do you want to play the game now, though? Uh, yeah, I very much do want to play the game. I wanted to play the game as soon as you... Did you? As soon yeah. as I said, I was thinking, this game oh, went. Oh, yes. So now I've got you all, all ready for it. Yep. All loosened up. Shall we crack on with them? You've made that sound crude. So, actually, you've now played the first Discworld game, Discworld 1. Did yeah, you? it doesn't have a subtitle. Nope, not this one. Discworld no. 2 does. Yeah. It has two different subtitles, Discworld 2. Missing Presumed. Missing Presumed is, is ours, and then Mortality Vice nice. is the other one. Is it spelled B-Y-T-E-S? I think so. I'm not really sure yeah. why. Yeah, but that's a really big Game sense. thing, in it? Game thing. Computer stuff. <laughs> why did they change the first Harry Potter's name? Why is the Golden Compass called the Golden Compass? I think they've all got the same answer. Because? We'll leave it. No, it's not because, but we'll leave it to the viewers. To the viewers. To the listeners. If they know, they know. Okay. Ask so, me. Ask me. So, Discworld, we played it. What, yeah. What do you think? Yeah. What What I think. What do you think? Like, is that stolen from what paper shotgun? No. What I think. What's what paper shotgun? You don't know what? That's, that's a website, right. isn't it? Yeah. It wasn't, because I'm aware of it. You don't know what it is. Yeah, you don't know what it is. I was trying to be different. Yeah, they have a... Work. They have a... They call their reviews what I think. Oh. So, accidental. No, that was... Accidental. Yeah. That's all right. Uh, I like it, as I'm sure you knew, I was going to say, really. Yeah. You, you were loving that, weren't you? Yeah, it really did. And we've played it longer. We're under a bit of time pressure at the moment, aren't we, to yeah. play three days. We don't have that much time. And adventure games are a tricky beast to, yeah, to contend are. with, aren't they? Because we've just played three. We've played that for, what, a, a bit of time there. And actually, we've... Barely scraped the surface. surface yeah. It's an adventure game. Is a, a, a they strength. take as long as they take, and oftentimes longer. Yeah, and and this one it is a big one, isn't it? It's hours and hours of game. Yeah, and as you painted very acutely before we played it, the puzzles aren't necessarily that straightforward. So no, they're really going to add to your time. I think, interestingly, one of the first things that I did was pick up a frog. Yes, which presumably is the frog that will be used later in the game to um, in the puzzles I spoke about previously. Yeah, yes. solve that puzzle. I would assume so as well. So that was nice. Yeah. I, I liked seeing that. I, w- we did a bit of a walking around, talking to people, solved a few of the early, very early puzzles, and made sure that we visited every available environment that was of there. the city that was there. Because you do open later on the game, you open up the rest of the map so yeah. you leave the city I don't remember there being there are other locations but there's literally like one location mm. one area per location so, so Angmore Park has got some streets it's got a park it's got the palace it's got the city gates whereas when you go out to the rest of the Discworld you've got the mountains and that's it yeah that's it's, not unusual is it in, no in the sense so off mic we were talking a little bit about Broken Sword yes we were and in Broken Sword you would go to various different locales and there'd be a set number of Precisely. places it go and actually Broken Sword was made a little bit after that I think yes I think so as well I, I was going maybe. to say 96 
So I said about this being the first adventure game I played and really got into. As that gateway drug, and I went into lots of other games. Broken Sword was one that I played and Ashley, so you played it as well. Broken Sword was the first adventure game I played. Right. And it's just like Discworld sparked a joy in you that led to a fascination, indulgent in that line of game. Broken Sword did exactly the same. I love Broken Sword and I could play it now. You like said you played all of them because yeah, there's been and and that means the bad five, ones five <laughs> as or well. Six now. I think it's I think it's five, and that's where it's going to show me up. The last one was kickstarted, right? So I am thanked in the credits Are along you? with all the rest of the kickstarters, right? Uh, for that one, because yeah, I, I backed it. Did you just dump up a little bit just to have your name in the credits? A bit of a you know ten dollars. It wasn't to get the name of credits, it was to get the game. Oh, that's why I backed it so I could have the game. Right. I think. Yeah, it wasn't for the name in the credits. It was literally because it was Broken Sword. Because I played Broken Sword 1, 2, 3, 4, and then 5. I think 4, I played on the PlayStation 2. It's okay. Yeah, I think it was 3D rather than hand-drawn. And you moved around in a 3D space. Sounds nice, but... It was... I I really enjoyed it. People absolutely smashed it. Like, they slated it. You You ended up, I think, at the end of that one. I might have got the numbering wrong, so forgive me if I have. But you end the one that I'm thinking of. You end up at Glastonbury Tor, All right. and there there is a dragon involved, of course. Yeah. But it looked lovely, and that's one of the things that I like about adventure games in general. They're just gorgeous to look at, even the older ones that are very pixelated. I'm right in thinking, just as a slight tangent. Adventure games are really big still in Germany, aren't they? Are they? I'm sure you just have a broken sword, just to kind of trigger you sort of on, on on the continent, like France, right. Holland, Germany. I, I just seem to remember that they're Western Europe. They're, they're quite big. Right. It wouldn't surprise me at all. They hang on to the best stuff. So you, you mentioned about having kickstarted Broken Sword. Thimbleweed Park, which came out a couple of years ago now, and obviously was a game that is an adventure game, is very much in thrall to the genre, and was also... Had some Kickstarter elements, I believe. It, it was. It was Kickstarted. The whole thing was Kickstarted. I think it was. Yeah. Right. I know that there were perks that if you paid, if you Kickstarted so much, you got yeah. this and so. So, and I, I seem to remember when it came out that obviously it was developed by Ron Gilbert, yeah. who did several classic point of click adventure games, was part of the team that made yeah. several classic adventure games. So Monkey Day of the Tentacle, uh, Simon Max was he involved with that as well. Uh, I don't know. It's one that I've never played, Summer Max. Summer Max is one I, I bought and then never played it. Really? So, there you go. I've anyway, never, there, there's been a, a more recent version that I didn't play. It has. Was it episodic? Yeah, it was on mm. Steam. But I remember looking on Thimblewood Park website and they, they did some appearances around America with Ron Gilbert there. And then a few in Germany. I kind of find that quite strange at the time. And why figuring Germany. out why. Um, I think it was because it was it's got quite a, a scene in Germany. So... It, it doesn't surprise me. It's one of the things that I have learned over the last couple of years, because if you look under that table there, there's a lot of board games. There are. All thought. And Germany, for some reason, is well into board games as well. To me, those two things go together quite well in a, in a strange, yeah, tangential way. Board games and adventure games. It's a very rigorous set of rules that you have to follow. It's logic. I don't even it's... mean in a logical sense. I mean that I think that if you're going to... If you're enjoying adventure games, you're probably going to also be a board gamer. I would say that's heart, even if you don't realise you are. The Venn diagram of adventure games and board, board games, games, I would say that's, that's quite a, a big crossover there. Yeah, I, I think so too. Yeah. And I can't justify that. There is no way to justify <laughs> it. Thank you so much for trying. You are starting to try, but I knew that we were onto a dead loss. Because <laughs> we were just talking about it. It is literally a gut feeling that I think if you, if you play adventure games, if you enjoy them, you're probably going to enjoy the new breed of board games. We're not talking Monopoly. <laughs> That's Monopoly. So, go Master Discord then. Yeah. Tell me one thing you liked about it. I told you one thing that I liked about it. How gorgeous it looked. It was so beautiful to see. And it's... I mean, we're playing this on, an, on a 42-inch HD TV as well, aren't we? Yes. So, in some way, it will, it will be scaled up in some way that I don't understand on a technical level. Witchcraft on it. But... It looked really pretty. It really did. The first thing that struck me was almost the very first thing that came on the screen. It was a the little fly mm. that Chris pointed out. The fly flies around the scene in the start of the game 
ends up in Rincewind, the wizard's room, flies into this portal thing in his ceiling, and then becomes your cursor, which is a really nice way of tying the opening sequence to the game Mm. proper. But the fly, it flies towards the camera. It's got these big googly eyes that are really nicely drawn. And then it turns around. It does animation. It was really beautiful. It was fluid. It was detailed. And it, it had lots of steps to it. It wasn't just like a about face. It, it was it hand drawn. Yeah, I think yeah, it so. was, wasn't it? Yeah. And, and it's scanned in frame I think by everything frame. Everything here, everything in this game looks hand drawn. Well, my my in depth Wikipedia research yeah. did tell me that the backgrounds were drawn. I think I mentioned. I think you earlier. mentioned it. Yeah, they, they were drawn and scanned in, and you could tell those the park that we visited is really yeah. And I said to Ashley, it looked like a watercolor. It really did it does, look yeah. spectacular. That was that was the moment that I said to you, if they remastered this, I know that they'd mess it up because they they tend to mess them up. Well, because you mean they make tweaks that were... they make unnecessary tweaks. Yeah. Uh, what what I said to you was, if they ever were to remaster this game, all they need to do is just high res it. Yes, that's yeah, all they, they do. They, definitely. they just need to up the resolution and make sure everything's not fuzzy. If they change anything about that game, it's going to cut in impact, because they just did such a good job of, of making it look gorgeous. In terms of the upraising it, in my memory, Rincewind in the second Disc War game was really... It's a lot more detailed. It's a lot more detailed mm. and it's really chunky and cartoony yeah. looking. Now, yeah. it'd be interesting to go back to that game and see how that compares yeah. in terms of the looks, And because in my memory Disc War 2 looks like a game that could come out now, mm. because it looks... Like a cartoon, it reads it like an intro cartoon. Whereas Discworld One, while it has these beautiful hand drawn backdrops, Rincewind himself is quite pixelated. The character's quite pixelated, yeah, so yeah. There, there would be some room for upscaling there. But overall, it looks nice to concern. Yeah, it really just needs a bit of a polish. Yeah, it, I don't. I personally don't think it needs a bit of a polish. I think that I would very. In fact, I know that I'm going to play this <laughs> all the way through. Really, now that I've started. Yeah, wow. Yeah, just because. It's one that I kind of regret not having a, a real good go at. Well, make sure you get, Skipping a, over. get a guy downloaded for it. I don't, I'm going to try it without oh, first. We'll see how I go. It's, hard, it's not exactly hard to get my phone out of my pocket, is it? And double check <laughs> if it gets That's stuck. That's true. I, def, I don't play things with guys. Do you not? No, never. I've never done that. I am quite weak world and will try something once. And if I don't get it, then go to a, well, Maybe twice. But I do rely on them quite a lot. It surprised me actually that you said that you had a guide when you played it the first time mm. because you would have had to pay for that surely. It was my uncle. So your uncle bought a guide along with the book. I along believe with so, game. yeah. God, that is, that's just not cool. Maybe it's like a buy get on free sort of deal. I've something. never understood the, you know, like the Prima stuff. Yeah, the strategy guides. Yeah, all this strategy guides stuff. I don't understand why people buy them unless say- they are absolutely stuck. It's, it's like you're buying the game, but then also the way to complete the game at the same time. Yeah, but the whole point of a game, well, the whole point of the game is to figure it out for yourself. And, and that is one of the things that I liked about adventure games. They made you feel clever, it, because oftentimes you had to be. You had to be ingenious in some way to grasp a puzzle. Just on that. Not all of them. Well, I was going to say Thimbleweed Park. You said you haven't played Thimbleweed Park. No, not yet. I will be. There was a very clever, I don't know how they did it, in the game where you could go there was a, a specific helpline you could call. And if you were stuck, they would give you clues on what to do. Depending, in game? In game. Right. Depending on what items you had, and, what, how right. far you were along different conversations oh, like and dialogue trees. It was really cleverly mm. done. And if I remember rightly, you could call them up again and they would give you a more heavy-handed clue and then perhaps a third time mm. and they would just tell you the answer. And I, I might be misremembering that, but... That was a really nice way to bring the genre up to date to... So it was last year I played yeah. it. I think it came out 2017. Just to make that genre rather... That's the wrong word, but bring it up to date almost. Yeah, to, to lend lend a maybe necessary helping hand. Yes. So to contextualise that a little bit for you, um, I mentioned to you while I was playing a game called Torrens Passage. You did, which I'd never heard of. No, it's another adventure game. I'd not heard of it until my wife told me about it. It was the first adventure game she played. Torrin's Passage. Torrin's Passage. T-O-R-R-I-N. T-O-R-I-N. Sounds like Torrin's. Lord of the Rings. Um, it's not really. Sounds it's like more a, like... Sounds like a smutty movie as well. You Don't sully my wife's memories <laughs> of, of, uh, of Torrin's Passage. Torrin's Passage. I see where you're coming from now that I've yeah, said it exactly. again. Though. There you go. Oh dear. You, you always do this, you bad man. So anyway, <laughs> Torrin's Passage. Torrin's Passage was an adventure game. It had some somewhat challenging, maybe 
fire to obscure puzzles. Mm. And it also had that exact system, except you weren't ringing a help like it was, was this little button thing. And if you seemed like you were stuck, I don't know how the game knew, it might have been like on a timed basis or something like that, this button would spin up and out. Right. And it would, it would pop up out of the deck. And if you wanted a clue, you would click the, the button. Mm. And I think that was 1995 as well. Oh, yeah. So... Thimbleweed Park's doing something that Tony Patrick had the foresight to do right. to do 25 years wow. before. 25? Yeah. yeah. Nearly 25. Give or take. Let's say, let's say 20. Years. On top of that, Professor Layton has the same sort of yes, system as well, isn't it, for the DS? Yes. And mobiles now. And forthcoming Switch? Yes, I'm coming to the Switch. It, Although so the game I have spotted is £20 more expensive on the Switch than it is on iOS products. Ha- what? So it's on the App Store. It does, the game is fifteen pounds, whereas the Switch version is currently thirty-five pounds on Amazon. But other other retailers are available. Right, I didn't realise that. The Nintendo Premium won't. Uh, yeah, it's Nintendo Premium. Is it coming out physically? Yeah, yeah. And cartridge, yeah, cartridge cost, points, I suppose. Yeah, cartridge. But they're probably not making much money on that. Big jump. It is a big jump. It's a strange ecosystem that we're living with mobile games. Still going to buy it though for Switch. Are you? Yeah. Okay. Where were we with adventure games? Just talking about what we liked Thimble about Wee them. Park, Thimble right, Park. Yeah. So I, I like that they all have their own visual style for the most part. Torrent's Passage, for the record, was actually quite a nice... It looked like it was hand-drawn and they moved a little bit like Disney characters. It really is... What was the one that was done where it was made out of clay? Never, that's Neverhood. Neverhood. Yeah, Neverhood. That was a, there was a recent... Lovely one, wasn't it? Hmm? That was looks. It's, you said it yeah, it was, stars, it was it? all modelled out of clay. It was all hand. It was all claymation. And wasn't there a? Um, there was a recent Machinarium as well, sequel. which again was a very, very iconic visual hand drawn. Yeah, I think it was hand drawn. It looked almost like paper. Mm. I think there was a follow up. Their follow up was I think it was called Botanicula. Right, so Botanic. And those sorts of games, similar style. You said about Neverhood, the clay that had been modelled and yeah. Made those sorts of games, you could play them now, and I would argue would probably still look really yeah, nice. Yeah, have you played them? Whereas if ever? you played a, let's say, a PS One game, because that'd be the sort of time they yeah. came out. If you played those games now, I would imagine that an average PS One game, yeah, it would look pretty terrible. So there's always been that argument, hasn't there, that a game that goes for a certain style and we're talking very specific. Well. I think I think that's too general. We're talking about 3D PlayStation One games, like those, okay, that's those threshold point. games moving from 2D to 3D. The point I'm getting at is that when a game takes a certain style and does it really well, really well, mm. it doesn't age because it still retains that. You mentioned in a previous episode about Super Mario Land, sorry, Super Mario World Two. The very first it looks one. gorgeous. Exactly, it looks gorgeous now. What Equally, you could say the same, exact same thing about Super Mario World. Yeah. Super Mario World looks gorgeous now. On the original hardware, it hasn't aged. Yes. So just to wrap up the adventure games aspect There's a lot this, more then, to say about adventure there's, games. There's like. loads more. We we both realised that independently of, our, of each other, that we both have been planning that particular adventure game for us, use that metaphor I used mm. previously. And we were trying to identify exactly what it was that we didn't each liked about that genre and we couldn't think of a specific thing we came up with a few different reasons didn't we i came up with a few yeah okay i outlined them you said to me what's your life about adventure games and i said i don't know i don't know exactly (laughs) i I couldn't think of a single divine thing what was it i liked about adventure this one in particular discord for example like you said a few minutes ago, I played it with a guy who runs me so it wasn't the puzzles aspect necessarily whereas for me absolutely was the puzzles were a big part of why i enjoyed them I think for me the thing was, and you discussed this as well, was the immersion of it, that you became this character or a character in this world, and it was a, a living, breathing world. There were characters there you could interact with or ignore. There was there were items to pick up or ignore. Yeah. You, just, you just became a part of, which so, whether, whether it was an, an island in Monkey Island or a city in Discworld, you were just there. And I think, I think that's what I liked about it. Yeah, and I totally agree. I put it to you, didn't I? That that was one of the things that I liked about it. I like yes. I like the immersion in the sense of the explore uh, being able to explore these different environments and a lot of them very detailed environments. And part, a whole part of playing adventure games was to delve as deeply as you could. There there is the old trope of, of pixel hunting and trying to sort of squeeze every little morsel of information out. So one of the things that I used to like to do was talk to people multiple times as, because as oftentimes. So you talk to them once and choose that particular dialogue branch yeah. and talk to them a second time and choose a different dialogue branch yeah. just to make sure you're, you're ringing every bit of value out of the yeah. game. And, and Even the choosing the same dialogue branches to see if they say different mm-hmm. things. 
Because some games, not all of them, some games, if you push the same branch of dialogue, they would get annoyed mm-hmm. at you. Some of the characters would yes. get annoyed at you and be like, I've already answered you that, or something along those lines. And I really enjoyed doing that, plumbing the depths, really. You enjoyed making people irate. Yeah, you should know just, that. Just like in real life, really. Yeah, exactly. Come on, you saw so, that. Yeah, I did, from a mile. <laughs> but also, you, you were talking about sort of becoming, not, you didn't say it as, no, as silly as I'm about to say it. <laughs> you talked about becoming one with the character. That does sound very silly. Yeah, it does sound silly, but you know what I mean. I do. I don't know why it is, but I feel a connection to the game world and the characters in it far stronger with adventure games than I do any other genre. I think it's be possibly because I am more active in finding the solutions to things and because I'm more active in engaging with the people I want to mm-hmm. engage with, the spaces that I want to explore and be in. I get to choose all of those. But equally, I can do that in other games. I, that is a, mi- a mystery to me, but it's definitely, it's definitely true. I feel the connection stronger. In adventure games. I think your point there about how you're the active character, you're the person which is causing the events of the plot to further yeah. because of what items you've got or what you've combined with what or who you've spoken to. Yeah. I think that's the thing. The problem that I have with, because I put that forward as a, as a thing, I've said to you, I'm playing the latest God of War at the moment, the uh, Norse version of God of War. And that has got quite an, a very engaged character. A, an engaging story um, and a great central relationship between partners. And I still feel slightly removed from it in a way that I wouldn't if <laughs> if I was playing Broken Sword. I, I, I can't give you an answer. I don't no, know why I can't. It is. I, I really can't. I, I have to think about it. It has or... made me realise that a lot of the games that I grew into liking and enjoying and mm. like now have some elements of the adventure game within them. So in Story the last... is so important. Story, definitely. But it's that exploration side of things. So in the last year, I've completed yeah. Breath yeah. of the Wild, which was, uh, you know, it's amazing, as everyone knows. That whole exploration, making sure I, I unlocked all 120 shrines and complete all 120 shrines, and tried to explore every aspect of the map and did this and did that, harkens back to adventure games, doesn't it? I think so, yeah. I think it was some of the same hallmarks, don't they, adventure games, that exploration and wandering around this living, breathing world again. And again, God of War does the same things. One of the things that I like about God of War is that I can go out and explore. In fact, the, the sun in God of War, Atreus, when you reach a point in the game, he will say to you, Look, we can carry on doing the storyline, or how about we go explore a little bit together, Dad? Do a few side quests. That, and he actually says that to you. It's like a side quest. He doesn't say side oh, quests. Oh, He does say about going and exploring. Right. And it's a prompt in the game. It's the developers saying this game is as much about exploring this world as it is. What do you choose? I often go exploring. Yeah, it's that's a really what nice I was doing. To be in. That's one of the many brilliant things about Breath of the Wild is, yeah, yeah you can do this if you, you want. You can just go punt you around. Can, you can do the story if you want, or you can just go and do whatever and then yeah. collect the story later. And that was what I, one of the main things I loved about it was how I was dipping out of the main story mm. and then exploring around that. It was. I think the exploration element is definitely, a, there's a link there. There is. Certainly between why we like certain modern games and why we're playing adventure mm. games in the first place. I suppose this, one, of the, one of the points of this, this podcast is thinking about our four or two years of gaming because I played this at the age of nine. I would say that that was the a start. key part of, yeah. of the games I play now. If I hadn't played Discord at the age of nine, who knows what I'd Yeah. Maybe I'd be good at football the, the story, again, you said about RPGs having similarities to adventure games. And yeah. I think, actually, one of the things that I like so much about RPGs is a, is a storyline. Every game, in fact, if it if it's not every game. Okay. You said about Krakow, didn't you? That's not really so Krakow line. doesn't have a story, <laughs> yeah. So uh, Krakow doesn't have a story. There, there are certain games, Tetris, Tetris doesn't have a story. Abstract games. Can yeah. exist without story, but overwhelmingly, the larger proportion of games that I enjoy playing have a strong story. Element. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. So I know that you're, or you were, recently playing Hollow Knight. Yes, I'm still working through Hollow Knight because, again, that's that's quite a big game. Yeah, it's Surpri- big. surprisingly so, and it has actually got some really strong story elements. It leaves them to you to figure them out as yeah. you go along and at least gives you the little clues to piece together and yeah and that's a really interesting way of telling a story but it's still there and it is one of the things that I think is the strength of the game it's, it's definitely something that I look for and it mm. and I think it's rooted in the fact that some of my first really 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 satisfying gaming experiences like the ones that really left satisfied were the adventure it's talking a bit psychiatrist couch doesn't it <laughs> 
This is good. I like it. So the first, I, I think I've told you before, the first game that I completed was Power Rangers. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. Power Rangers Let, let's, let's bring that to reality, shall we? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> first game that I completed was Power Rangers the movie with a friend of mine called Beth when we were about seven. Right. And before that, I'd never completed a game, including Crackout. And I'd had a lot of game frustrations. So uh, we talked a little bit about Little Nemo. Yes. I think previously. And a variety of other games that I just played obsessively but never got to the end of because they were too hard adventure games were difficult in a way that was really enjoyable it, it, it was crunchy meaty difficulty and i guess but adventure games as well didn't punish you you couldn't die in adventure games. well generally you couldn't die in adventure yeah games, you, could, you, you could, could die was, but you came back to your, yeah, your last save exactly right? and monkey island did a very memorable bit where it you fell off a cliff at one point and then you, you fell off bounced onto a rubber trip it was and bounced straight back up again yes that was yeah, on, that, on, actual, yeah. on the actual monkey island itself so i suppose it it was quite while you were exploring whatever there wasn't really a danger to doing so you were able to do it yeah it wasn't it was rewarding a different side yes of, of me uh, and i think yeah, so better. power rangers was the first game that i completed but before that it was all frustration right so it was yeah. all and it, and it was all based around the same sort of skill set and it was dexterity and it was quick right. reflexes and it was adventure games of, adventure games were rewarding a different side of me yeah and i didn't know they existed hmm. until they did I with broken sword you may well be right from, from my experience as well but until i played both this game or thinking around oh, actually this is really fun i'm enjoying this and they allowed you to find a reward in a different part of your brain hmm. using using a whole different set of skills clicking not just clicking though is it pointing cut comprehension being able to comprehend a scenario and puzzle your way through yeah. it right. some of the most satisfying parts of my gaming experience my gaming life have been an event i really like certain puzzles the again broken sword the puzzle that i really enjoy there is the one where you have to make with the soap with the soap yeah it's unusual but there's a logic to it yeah I, it puzzled me for quite a while it, it stumped me for a fair while i'm sure i went away from the computer and had to come back mm. a few times over the course of a week. Did you ever go for the whole just clicking on everything with everything? Yeah, oh, yes. works? yeah. Not so much with Broken Sword, but with certainly with other games. If you end up pixel hunting in an adventure game, the adventure game has failed. Well, shall we discuss with pixel hunting? Shall we discuss the thing in Discworld? Yeah, okay. So I said that, and then this is actually a situation where pixel hunting was the was the aim, wasn't it? Yeah. So it wasn't a failure, it was what they intended. I mentioned in the first half about Discworld was famously a very difficult game and some players did resort to having to pixel hunt. That's the, if you weren't aware, the method of putting the mouse over the computer screen to just see if anything jumps out at you like an item you might have mentioned Discworld, I imagine would be quite easy to miss because of how the painted backgrounds were yeah, bl- blended in a little bit, possibly. In the very last scene of the game, there is a, a section where an Easter egg was discovered literally last year or the year before. So 2017. Yeah, I've, I've seen 2018, but I, I read about this, tried to look about it on the internet earlier, couldn't find anything but found a YouTube video about it, so I don't really know how I found about this anyway. It must have been on a news website somewhere. Gaming website. Anyway, in the very last scene of the game, there's a certain combination of pixels. If you click these pixels, and then these pi- and then these pixels, it then triggers a line of dialogue because it's only triggered by doing those things in that order, which is which is very odd. And they buried it in the game deliberately for that reason. By doing this pixel hunting, clicking here, clicking here, it then triggers rinse win. So Eric Idle saying, I want to be the first character in a video game to say, and he says a bad word that rhymes with book. Whether he is or is not the first game uh, character to say that word or mm. not is debatable. But uh, Well, is it debatable? I don't know the history no, of swearing in the I, game. I, I don't either. Maybe it's the thesis to be written on that. It's one, mm. one day. So, so shouldn't they did it to be like a naughty giggling school? Oh yeah, definitely. To, to, to bury in a... Again, we said about how all of the actors and actors, well, actress. actress, yeah, um, in the game, they were all chosen. There was part of the same wheelhouse of comedy and reverent irreverence. Yes, sorry, uh, yeah, and and that is precisely the kind of thing I was talking about. Like this, really sort of sets close to the wind, subversive, subversive, yeah, um, comedy. Discworld does it as well. I I said to you while we were playing about a situation where one of the characters somehow mislays a mouth. A marital age, you called it. Yes. Uh, I, I might have to bleep this out, I don't know, but uh, a dog runs away with a dildo. <laughs> that is what happened in Discworld. What a sentence. And I read it. The first time I read it, it went way over my head. <laughs> and then it was only when we when I read it again that I went, oh, right, okay. I told that you about the, the brothel, well. didn't I? Yes, yes. So in in uh, Ankh-Morpork, the city, uh, the main city in Discworld, there's a, a brothel run by Madame Palm and her five 
lovely daughters. It was, wasn't until I was much, much older than the age of nine that I got the joke about Madame Palmer and her five daughters about what that actually meant. It's yeah. pretty subtle, that is. Uh, I'll to see Madame Palmer and her five lovely daughters. Exactly. Um, yeah. I don't ask my tattoo anymore for people. I'm sure they can read between the lines with that. Masturbation. Oh, there we go. You said it. Sorry, we're all adults. Yeah, no, we're, we're adults. You and I. That's the main thing. We're adults. <laughs> We, we looked into this during the break as well about the rights of the game, didn't we? And who actually owned well, it. Well, tried very, tried, tried to, yeah. I'm not it, really think sure. it might be abandonware. Possibly. In which case, if it is abandonware, then everyone should go out and, and get it. It will, you might have to do a bit of work to get it running, but it's, it's well worth doing if, if it is available. But I will double check the status of that and I will pop it on the end in the footnote. Just, yeah, to really make sure we're all set on that, don't we? So, that was Discworld. Before we wrap up this episode of the podcast then, we did mention briefly earlier about Discworld 2, which was a sequel came out only, only a year or two after this one, and was another point-click adventure game. Looked a lot better. Similar to gameplay, well, obviously similar gameplay as point-click adventure. And then about four years later, I think, 2000, 2001 perhaps by this point, a third game came out called Discworld Noir. Yeah, which I've got upstairs. Which was completely different. Very, very different. Still it, a, it, an adventure game. It was, it was. It did exactly the same sort of, not exactly the same. It did what a lot of adventure games were doing at the time and transitioned. Like Grim Fandango sort of, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, so. I suppose it's in the sort of noir film, but much, but. It did it. Oh, it was much darker. Did it much darker, yeah. didn't it? You were a, you were a detective who was also a werewolf. I I think that it was part. a detective. It was also voiced by Rob Reiser. I remember that. Yeah, you told me that, but again, I when I played yeah, that, I didn't I'm know sure who Rob Reiser was. was. And he was only his te- he was only his te- he was a detective, and then he got bit by the werewolf about halfway through the game. Did he? Yes. Oh, I remember him being a werewolf. Well, at the which point, you could then turn into the werewolf, and you could then see smells, see the smells. That yeah, then... which was a brilliant. It thing. was. I loved it. What when did I you play it on? PC, yeah, I, I, I play on PC. I don't. I know don't if it, know if it came to anything. No, I don't think I it, it did. Shame, okay. this is a good little game. It was. It wasn't as good as Discworld One and Two, and I think one of the reasons that it wasn't is it went for this. It went for three D, and it went for realism. When Discworld isn't necessarily isn't about realism, isn't it? That's a fair point, I think. Yeah, it was going for gritty when game when all games were trying to. And we did like in this one we played today, Discworld. We liked how the dialogue was. Not what she was it. It was very Pratchettesque. It was really well written. Yeah, it was bouncy. It was. It was. Silly. I was laughing a few times, didn't I? Yeah, I laughed just, a few times. Just in silly the... jokes and puns. Yeah, such like just some silliness. Sometimes you need a little bit of silliness, don't you? Not everything you've got for. I think we should finish off there. Sometimes you need a bit of silliness. Not everything needs to be God of War. There you go. That is what I said. That's <laughs> a wrap. This Gameware is a Specky 2 Guys production. Music for the episode is provided under Creative Commons license by Stevia Sphere from the album Cell Division, which can be found at steviasphere.bandcamp.com. <laughs>